Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode's music is particularly passionate and intense. We're sticking with Romeo and Juliet after the last couple of episodes that featured West Side Story. My friend and Cacophony listener Aaron commented recently on how many composers had been inspired by Shakespeare's play, most famously Tchaikovsky, Berlioz, Prokofiev. Not forgetting, of course, Dire Straits, if you're old enough to remember. In fact, Shakespeare's been such an inspiration to so many composers. Not long ago, the actor Simon Callow curated a concert for one of the London orchestras, and they reckon they had a a long list of over 300 pieces from which to choose. Aaron and I agree that to compare different composers' treatments of Romeo and Juliet would be invidious. But nonetheless, I fancy listening to some more Romeo and Juliet-inspired music, so we're going to turn to Prokofiev. Just make sure not to compare it to West Side Story. Sergei Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet contains one of the most famous tracks in all of classical music, the Dance of the Nights, sometimes known as Montagues and Capulets and now firmly associated with the TV show The Apprentice, in the UK at least. But there's much, much more to Romeo and Juliet than that. That track is so well known and it's such timeless music that it's hard to believe that it's relatively modern. It's only about 85 years old. Like the great Tchaikovsky ballets from a few years before, Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet is a full evening's entertainment, a four-act event with over two hours worth of music. It produces a bit of a headache from a cacophony point of view because there's so much good stuff from which to choose. The first production of the ballet got cancelled and there was no replacement in sight. So Prokofiev, in the mid-1930s, started to produce suites of music from the show. He wanted to get it out there as like an advertisement to say, look what you're missing out on. In the end, he produced three suites. They used a slightly smaller orchestra, and they cut out some of the more funky instruments like mandolins. But it's not like all the good stuff is in one suite. So what most conductors do is they concoct their own highlights package. This enables them to give you the whole story arc in the right order. And generally they come up with music that lasts about an hour, or one CD's worth. In this episode, we're going to listen to Prokofiev's second suite. It's about 30 minutes of music. It's the only one that takes you on any sort of journey through the piece. Prokofiev's music for Romeo and Juliet is full of brilliant numbers. It's sometimes angular and violent, sometimes light and classical. It's full of virtuoso demands on the players and is always committed, convincing. It's great stuff and I'm sure we'll return for more of it in future episodes. The suite starts proper with that most famous of all Prokofiev tunes. But first, we hear the prince's decree, his demand for good behaviour from the warring families and his threat of banishment for any transgression. It mixes declamatory discordant, even shocking brass with calm, eerie strings. (laughs) 
It's only just over a minute's music taken from about 15 into the show, but it serves as the perfect miniature introduction to the suite. It's threatening, foreboding, overshadowed. And from there we're plunged into the Dance of the Knights, which is taken from the ball sequence of the show. It's where the two warring families, the gentlemen of the two warring families, get to strut their stuff. My favourite section of this isn't the big famous tune, great though that is, but the contrasting central bit, with the flute and the bells of the celeste underneath. Again, it's Prokofiev signalling to us. So often in Romeo and Juliet, there's this underlying unease. It's never far away. In the next two sections, we hear character music, the tunes that introduce Juliet, the young girl, and Friar Lawrence. Juliet's playful and skittish, but also wistful, thoughtful, thinking about how she's growing up. Friar Lawrence sounds gently benevolent on bassoons and other low instruments. There are two dances for dance sake, these crucial moments in any ballet where the main characters get a rest and the ensemble dancers take their moments in the spotlight. simply can't dance for two hours in one go. And in between those two dances comes one of the extended passages of love music. This is probably my favourite bit in the whole ballet. It's the morning after Romeo and Juliet have married, the morning after Romeo has killed Tybalt, Juliet's brother, and he's about to head off into exile. But first, there's the early morning hazy sunlight through the curtains, and some tender, then increasingly ardent passion. It's terrific, intoxicating, overwhelming music, where the come down leaves us once again with that sense of unease and sinister foreboding. The suite ends with Romeo at Juliet's grave, or Juliet's funeral. Juliet's taken a sleeping potion to fake her death, but Romeo returns, thinks it's real, and takes his own life. And then in the final number of the ballet, which we don't hear, Juliet wakes up, sees him dead and joins him. It's pretty astonishing to think that originally Prokofiev's ballet was going to have a happy ending, with Juliet waking up just in time. It's hard to think of many times when the Soviet authorities made the right call about something, but they were pretty shocked at this idea and basically insisted on it being changed. This is in part why the original production got cancelled. Prokofiev tried to excuse the decision later on. The reasons that led us to such barbarism were purely choreographic, he said. Living people can dance, but the dead can't dance lying down. It's music of gut-wrenching pain, searing intensity. There's room amid the grief of Juliet's funeral for swathes of happiness too of reflection, remembrances of their brief lives and of their brief love. 
It's another fantastic piece, and another that leaves us drained and exhausted, and marvelling at the emotional power of music. Let's have a listen. Click on the links in the show notes, and afterwards, please tell me what you think. I really love to hear from you. You can leave me a voice message here at Cacophony Online or using social media. If you'd like to contribute to Cacophony financially, there's a link where you can do that too. Please share the podcast and the trailer with anybody you know. Come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.